Well, when we talk about the importance of independent media, can't help but think about an incident uh, happened this week. The illustrious New York Times uh, issued its endorsements in several hotly contested congressional races here in the New York area and in uh, New York districts 10, 12, and 17. And uh, uh, shockingly, all three of their endorsees uh, were uh, white males. And uh, even worse, uh, two of those three are quite simply the most conservative candidates in the race uh, who are anti-Trump, but otherwise uh, pro-wealth protection, pro-cop, and on down the line. Um, and it, in particular, there was a lot of uh, dismay of, about their endorsement in uh, New York 10, the new district uh, that covers lower Manhattan and parts of uh, Brooklyn, where our next guest, uh, Yuli New, is running, in that uh, they they only talked about two of the candidates, uh, uh, Dan Goldman, uh, the multimillionaire heir to the Levi Strauss fortune that they endorsed, and also uh, Mondaire Jones, but they didn't even bother to mention uh, two candidates who've been at or near the top of all the polls, and that's uh, Yuli New, and as well as um, uh, City Council Member Carlina Rivera, both women of color who have a track record of service in the in the district, and um, it's just uh, it was uh, really. Uh, such peak New York Times. And of course, uh, Goldman has their endorsement, which, uh, some people see as very important. And also, he's got millions of dollars of his own money to, uh, flood the airwaves with, uh, commercials, uh, touting himself. And, uh, anyway, our, our next guest, uh, Yuli New does not have millions of dollars in her wallet to, uh, spend on her, uh, campaign. She's been elected three times to, uh, the New York State Assembly, uh, since, uh, 2016 and is now uh, running for Congress with the endorsement of the Working Families Party, Jamani Williams, uh, several elected officials from the Democratic Socialists of America as well, and various uh, community groups. Uh, Eulene, welcome to WBI Radio. Thank you so much for having me today, John. And Amba, it's nice to hear your voice. Yeah. So uh, for starters, can you just uh, give us your reaction uh, to the New York Times endorsement and, and the way they uh, completely erased you, even though you've been either first or second in every poll uh, that's come out uh, since this race began? Well, I think that, you know, media erasure is nothing new to me, but I will say that, you know, I really, I really appreciate the coverage today and I'm really feeling energized because I'm seeing, you know, nearly a thousand volunteers on my campaign. We're making, um, you know, 200,000 plus phone calls, um, knocked, you know, over 35,000 doors. Um, we've, you know, done so many things to make sure that we actually have, um, you know, the ground game. And I think that we can't beat that. You can't buy that. And I, and I think that that's the part that's so important, right? Um, I love, you know, um, to, to, you know, be here because obviously this, uh, again, I'll just kind of reiterate a little bit about, you know, what you guys are all about, right? Um, this is independent media. This is, um, so important for us to be able to have, um, no corporate dollars, you know, supporting. And it's just, it's such a big deal because, you know, that's the kind of race that I'm also running. <laughs> and so people don't forget when, um, you know, looking at, you know, places to put your dollars, put it into WBAI and making sure that we also still have independent media and making sure that we have the support that we need to have, uh, have good, good, uh, 
good coverage when it comes to our different races. Um, I'm really proud of the coalition that's backing me in this race from the amazing Working Families Party to the New York City public advocate, Jumani Williams, to the Sunrise Movement in New York City. Um, we have so much support from young people, from our different communities. We have Brooklyn Indivisible. We have Cuff H. We have amazing folks that have been on the ground fighting every single day for the things that we need here in New York. Early voting has obviously already started, um, but I think that it's really important for folks to to get out the vote, right? Vote.nyc will tell everybody where their polling sites are, and then people can go to New for New York, N-I-O-U for New York to learn more, get involved, and donate. Um, I desperately need your help, obviously, um, because right now I am running against a... Uh, multi hundred multimillionaire <laughs> um and i think that it's really important that we have the funds uh to continue to finish our race we have one more week left it's exactly one more week left and so i need your help and i hope that folks will will uh open up their wallets to both wbai and to yulene new <laughs> absolutely and so tell us yulene a little bit about your background how you came to be in politics and uh what you like to do in politics so a little bit about my background. I've actually uh, been working on the state level of politics for about 22 years now. It's kind of strange to think about. Um, but I started as a young intern and um, have worked um, on the state level, uh, except for a stint at the U.S. EPA um, to work on the Office of International Tribal Affairs to really talk about um, some of the climate issues that we've been facing. Um, but I think that it's really important for uh, folks to um really understand like how to, you know, be ready to be in Congress and be ready to legislate and be ready to push. And I think that I have demonstrated in my six years of being an elected for this district, a hundred percent of my district is inside of this new district uh, 10. And I think that it's really important for me to be able to, you know, understand the policy that's, um, you know, helping and then harming our community, right? I think it's really important to know the things that are affecting our communities. Um, I can talk to you a little bit about the accomplishments that we've uh, made during this time that I've been an assembly member. Um, I'm really proud of what I've accomplished in Albany. I've fought and delivered for my constituents on public housing for one I led to push uh, I led the push to get our first uh, state funding for public housing uh, on the capital dollars end and now there's over a billion dollars in critical funding to fix our broken public housing that is making people sick and killing them I've been on the front lines in this community fighting the efforts to privatize our public housing um, and working with tenant organizations to protect our renters I think it's so important to make sure that we're protecting section 9 and funding section nine so i'm going to continue to do that when you know because every single time that i'm trying to get state dollars for capital uh you know fixes um in public housing they're telling me wow it's a federal issue and you got to go to the feds and so i'm hoping to be able to make sure that we fully well that could happen in about one week <laughs> I'm hoping we, I hope that we can get our federal dollars, um, to fully fund public housing here. And we also, you know, have to make sure that we are, um, fighting to increase our funding for our community organizations. Um, folks probably know that I secured about $30 million in dedicated funding for community organizations in the state to fight against, uh, anti-Asian hate and anti-Semitism. Um, and together, uh, I think that we have to raise our voices to get, you know, funding for our North communities, which is our naturally occurring retirement communities. I, help to not only 
fund it, then double the funding and then triple the funding. Um, we've uh, also um, been able to get settlement house funding. Um, the settlement house initiative program was uh, something that we've helped to fund for a very long time. And when people in our own party said it wasn't possible, we don't say, you know, <laughs> we don't say, OK, we just say um, why and how um, can we m- make things happen? And I have obviously notoriously um, stood up uh, to Albany's culture of abuse and corruption and really made real change. So I hope that people will see that that's what we need in Congress and that, you know, we can have the political courage that we're fighting for now in this seat. Right. Can you elaborate a little bit more on why uh, you were so uh, aggressive uh, or, or just bold in taking on Governor Andrew Cuomo when very few people uh, in state government uh, would even uh, have thought to do that. And uh, you were very outspoken. Of course, he later became uh, a pariah and had to resign. But long before that, the, the strong man of Albany uh, was uh, almost uh, untouchable. I mean, if you've been there for a day, you would know, right, that there was um, that that he was uh, seen as somebody who was untouchable in a lot of ways, um, like you were saying, John. And I think that, you know, we knew that um, if we wanted things to change, we couldn't accept the status quo and we couldn't just be go along to get along legislators. Um, so I was very firm um, even when it came to the campaign finance issues that were happening, right? Um, so the first time I think that we really clashed very hard was that we were trying to pass campaign finance reform on the state level. And it was something that I fought really, really hard for. And then I saw him doing a $25,000 a plate fundraiser um, that was literally during our budget season with his budget director, um, like basically holding court to hear what you know, these people who were paying the top dollar amounts. $25,000 a plate. I mean, that sounds like Dan Goldman money. (laughs) Well, I just think that it's really important for people to know what was happening, right? And so when we stood up, um, my colleagues, uh, Alessandra Biaggi and I, um, alongside uh, Senator Jessica Ramos, um, when we uh, stood up and really pointed out what was going on to folks um, and asked for uh, transparency and also asked to make sure that we pass campaign finance reform. What we got was, um, you know, and, and obviously we can't curse on the radio. So it was expletive nope. idiot. <laughs> expletive idiots is what we got, um, as a response from his spokesperson. We were, um, called those names. And so I think that it was, um, you know, important for us to, uh, touch that nerve because we're right. Right. We need to make sure that we take Big Bundy out of politics, that we actually, um, you know, fight for reform in Albany and um, that we actually get uh, the transparency and the accessibility to government that people deserve. And I think that, you know, uh, we shouldn't have uh, our government decided uh, and our rights decided by special interest groups. Um, and we see that now. Right. And so this is why, um, you know, when uh my colleague said that there was no way we could ever hold a man as powerful as Andrew Cuomo accountable for his misconduct. Um, we did. You know, my, my colleague said there was no chance we would ever get sexual harassment legislation to hold government officials to the same standards as anyone else. But not only was it by legislation, we passed it and we won. Um, I will never back down from a tough fight if it's the right fight for my constituents. And we need more of that courage in Congress um, because the GOP is coming for our rights now. 
Right. And and speaking of that, we're going to go to a clip here of AOC, AOC speaking right after the Dobbs decision was released, overturning Roe versus Wade um, and calling on the Supreme Court to be expanded, which something many leading Democrats don't want to touch. There was brief um, speak of that at the end of the Trump um, presidential period. And, and, and Biden, you know, completely dropped the ball on that. So let's go to AOC here. Talking about a court of, with the majority of justices appointed by a party that has not won a popular presidential election more than once in 30 years. Ruling against the majority of Americans. We have a Senate that is controlled by minority rule. And we have a house suffering from the impacts of gerrymandering that amplifies and undermines our democracy. We are in a very dangerous moment, not just for women, not just for LGBT communities, not just for all of us, but we are in a dangerous moment in the world because this is not just about the right to choice. This is about rule of law and democracy. Right. That was AOC speaking right after the Dobbs decision was released, overturning Roe versus Wade. And we are here with Uline New, who is running for the 10th um, district in the U.S. House of Representatives, which encompasses parts of lower Manhattan, including Chinatown, down to Park Slope and Sunset Park. So uh, your response to, to that clip of AOC speaking and then in general, you're, you've taken this approach, as you just explained, um, you know, around uh, getting Cuomo out of office. So uh, would you continue to fight in that in that way, that outspoken way, if you were um, at the national level? I think that any time that we have, um, you know, an issue that hurts our people, we have to speak up. Um, I think that I've never hesitated and I don't think that we need to, you know, hesitate or blink at these things. And I think that, you know, what she said is absolutely right. We have a Democrat um, for a president. We have Democrats uh, in the Senate that are supposed to be a Senate majority of Democrats. We have Democrats, uh, you know, in the majority in our House. And I think that, you know, we have this scenario where we have Democrats controlling both bodies and the presidency, and yet we still are not able to codify our rights, not able to protect our bodily autonomy, not able to um, pass gun laws. And I think that it's really important to note um, that we don't need just Democrats. We need the right Democrats. We need to make sure that we have the right Democrats to be able to have the political courage to lead um, with empathy and to understand what our people need and to fight um, continuously until we get um, to where people are protected. And I think that this is not a time for us to be wishy-washy in how we feel about abortion. This is not a time for us to take um, special interest dollars and have that impact our decision-making. I think that this is the time for us to walk our talk and to be sure to fight with all of our strength in order to be able to strategically um, help our people. One of the things that, you know, I think we, we must note is the fact that for 50 years now, this has been the plans. This is what AOC was talking about. For 50 years now, um, there has been strategy 
um, against us. And I think that for 50 years, we should have been strategizing about how to protect us. And we did not do that. And I think that it is important for us to note that and also not to let it continue because we don't need to keep on electing or um, to fight for or to, um, you know, only um, elect people who will only work to save their own seats. We need to fight for people who are going to save us, right? And, and to fight for us, right? And I think that saving your seat is not admirable. Saving your people is what your job is. And if you're not going to save your people, then you don't belong there. And I think that that's what we have to think about when we're strategizing, um, because we have to make sure that we are prioritizing um, our communities and making sure that what America needs and America wants is at the table. Um, and, it, you know, and I don't think that it is right now. Right. And, and uh we also want to talk a little bit about uh, foreign policy since you're now running for uh, for national office. Uh, that will also be on your uh, menu if you make it to Congress. Uh, I mean, just for starters, I, I, how do you uh, perceive, I mean, the U.S.'s uh, role and position in the world? Uh, is it fair to describe the United States as an imperialist power like most other large, powerful countries? And, and um and if not, how how do you see uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, relationship to the rest of the world? Well, I mean, I think we we definitely have certain history of imperialism and colonization. I mean, we've um, also you know colonized and not given equal rights, for example, to Puerto Rico. Um, I think that there is definitely history of um, certain colonization efforts. I think that um, you know we have to be very um, you know clear about is, is it entirely in the past i don't think it's entirely in the past i think that we are one of the great superpowers in in the uh world and i think that we have to acknowledge that right um and also be very um you know cognizant of um and of how we uh wield and um you know also uh you know, take steps in our power, right? And I think that, you know, it's important for our country to, um, you know, recognize uh, where we are, like you're saying, in the world um, to be able to make sure that we're also, um, you know, making sure that we're promoting peace and humanitarian, um, you know, efforts rather than, uh, you know, I guess, um, harming anyone. And I think that that's, that should be our role. Um, it should be one of peacekeeping. And what would you like to focus on, right? Um, uh, everyone's assigned a committee. If they're in the Congress, uh, what kind of things would you like to promote? Yeah, so um, right now, currently, uh, I think that one of the biggest, um, you know, people know my committees <laughs> uh, when I'm in Albany, right? So um, I've always uh, focused a lot on um, banks, insurance companies, um, you know, uh, regulating um, for consumer protections, et cetera. So I think that it's really important that we have, um, you know, somebody who really can understand certain financial services and how to regulate them, um, predatory practices. You know, I actually was uh, the person who, uh, when I was much younger, um, uh, in Washington state actually regulated the payday lending industry, um, and, uh, made sure 
uh, in Washington state to uh, certainly stop certain kinds of predatory lending um, that was happening. Uh, but I think that, you know, obviously in New York, we have a uh, prohibition on there's uh, we prohibit payday payday loans here. Uh, and that's awesome. It's, it's even better than the bill that I had to pass. Um, but I think that it's really, uh, always a fight to make sure to stop, um, you know, the creeping of like trying to get payday loans back into, um, into, te- uh, into New York, you know, and I think that it's really important for folks to, um, you know, know how redlining works, how to stop it. And, um, I think that, you know, it would be really great to be on, um, any of the committees where I can actually, uh, do a lot of, uh, good when it comes to, um, consumer protections or, um, on regulating, uh, certain harmful financial pra- practices. Right. And we have about one more minute here. And, and one thing I wanted to ask about, which is something you've really leaned into in your campaign, is that if elected, you would be uh, the first openly autistic person to serve in Congress. And uh, you've called your autism uh, your superpower. Uh, can you talk about uh, why, why you see it that way and, and uh, what uh, people should take away from your uh, experience with autism and, and, uh, and the way you've embraced it? I mean, I think that uh, I didn't know <laughs> that I would be the first openly autistic, uh, you know, congressional member if I was to win. Um, I didn't know that until uh, Newsweek covered it. And I'm sure that a lot of people have run. Um, but I uh, am very excited to uh, be able to have a chance to make history. I think that, um, you know, I think my diagnosis is something that um, I am now very... Um, you know, uh, open with, um, and think that it's, uh, it's important for us to destigmatize and to break stereotypes of, um, what, uh, you know, neurodiversity is and how it affects people. And, um, I think that we are also, um, you know, helping people to be more, um, open-minded about, you know, how, um, how we can lead in all different ways um, and your leadership style can look different and still be so effective and so um, powerful, you know, and I think for me, uh, you know, I call it my superpower because I tend to uh, have a ability to hyper-focus on um, certain policies and think a lot more big picture than a lot of people and look at cause and effect of different kinds of policies and issues. And I think that a lot of people um, really benefit from that kind of lens. And I think that because right. I also center disability justice and every right. accessibility in all of my policies, it really helps to also have that, you know, in, in how we, uh, how we legislate. Okay. Well, we'll have to leave it there. But uh, Yuli New, uh, congressional candidate in New York uh, Congressional District 10, thank you so much for joining us this evening on WBAI Radio. Thank you so much for having me. And make sure that folks know to stop by and look at our website at newfornewyork, N-I-O-U for New York.com. Thank you.